Hey, this is Shelly Zan, and this is the Impact Over Influence podcast. I hope that you receive whatever it is that God has for you today. Okay, everybody, this is episode number six. Um, we are on the downhill stretch, but it's kind of making me sad. I'm happy um, that we're getting, we're growing, we're doing so much throughout this, but I'm also sad because it's just crazy to think that we only have two more um, episodes, but we're just going to live in the moment and be excited for what today has to hold. Um, you know, this whole It's Bigger Than You study is about being disciples. It's about being used by God to make other believers in Jesus. That's the gist of it. We've gone over in previous weeks what a disciple is, who we're disciples of. Um, we've even got to pick apart some of the disciples that Jesus had chosen in his time that he was here. But today, it's going to be about how do we be disciples? How do we do that? You know, I think that everybody might have their own view on that. Um, we're going to go over what he's kind of laid on my heart as what that looks like. But before we begin, I just want to kind of talk about the behind part of what's kind of going through my head right now. Because I think a lot of times, especially whenever I get to talking so fast, I just think all you guys can be in my head and you can't. So I just, I have such a issue with self-help. The world that we live in is so about self-help. You want to have more, you work harder. Whenever you reach this level, you'll be happy. Um, whenever you get married, you'll be happy. When you start having kids, you'll be happy. Whenever you get to retire, you'll be happy. Um, it's all about ourselves and this selfish mentality that we're taught, that we live, that we teach others. You know, we teach our kids the same way. Like, you go to college, go to this, instead of, no, man, like, seek God. Seek whatever it is that he has for you. Maybe it's not to be married. Maybe it's not to be able to give birth to kids because in five years you're going to be adopting somebody. You know, like, I just feel like we, we put all of this on our own shoulders that it was never meant to be for us to be the ones to carry it. So with that being said, this whole do-it-yourself, you know, do-it-yourself DIY. You know, guys, we can YouTube anything. You can YouTube how to have a garden. You can YouTube how to put a motor in a boat. You can YouTube how to homemade candles. Like The realm is endless, right, on how to do it yourself. Most of the time if we're doing stuff ourselves, it's because we're trying to save a dollar. That's great. Um, you know, we want to then start doing stuff ourselves because we see other people doing things their self. They're doing this particular diet, whatever it is. Like we become followers in a sense. Whenever we're telling ourselves, we're doing it ourselves. You're not making enough money, it's because you're looking at somebody else that makes more than you. There's always this like dissatisfaction that we live in constantly. And that's the issue that I have with being a believer because I was that for so long. It was like, I'm going to do it all on my own. And then whenever I need you, God, I know where you're at. Like whenever it gets hard enough, I'll come to you. When he's like, no, you need me in the high moments. You need me in the mountaintops because that's when you still feel satisfied. Y'all, it makes me think of so many people that have all the money, all the fame, all the things, but it's never good enough. They still have a hole inside of them and they either commit suicide or they fall. They just fall, whatever they may be. Maybe it's not taking a life, but it's just the the, the endless amount of depression and anxiety that they go through because it, they're never satisfied. We as a culture are never satisfied. And the reason that that is, is because we were never meant to do it on our own. So. With that being said, the whole, it's bigger than you, your walk with Christ, how you get to heaven, that is on you. That is for your heart. But making disciples and the purpose of being a Christian is bigger than us because we get to affect other people. 
We get to be used by Him to grow the kingdom of God. And that becomes with such responsibility, but so much reward. Because that's when we feel satisfied as believers, because we're leading people to the one that can fill the hole inside of them. So, you know, um, going back to the self-help deal and the hard work, um, the making money, I also think it's a believe in yourself deal. But the thing, the hard part about believing only in yourself and you being the hype of your daily life, the reason why that's wrong is because you will never be able to sustain that. There's going to be a day. It may not be for a year. You might just be doing the thing. But eventually, you're going to have a bad day. Eventually, somebody's going to upset you. Eventually, you're not going to meet a goal that you thought you would. So believing in yourself is great. But knowing that there's a higher power that's guiding you, that's when it takes all the pressure off of yourself. Y'all, Jesus did not die on the cross so that you would have to do it on your own anymore. Like, He chose to take on your bad so you could receive His good. His good is ultimate. His good is all-knowing, all-being fulfilled constantly. Okay? That's why He made that sacrifice. Um, so, this isn't going to be a ton of us going through a bunch of stories or parables or scriptures. This is going to be highlight verses in a sense. Like, we're going to have one-liners, if you will. We know the Bible and how to study the Bible, and that's what this is. It's a Bible study. We need to know who things are spoken to, why they were spoken to them, who they were spoken by, you know, um, the context of verses, what's happening before and what happens after. But this right here is going to be things that you can hold on to, and the devil's not going to be able to confuse it, because we know if we get confused by Scripture, it's because he's behind it. So, um, with that being said, Philippians 4.13, I think we all, you know, if you've been in Scripture for any amount of time, you have in your mind a go-to, right? So this Philippians 4.13, as a child, it meant a lot to me. As an adult, it, even, it means even more to me. Um, I remember having this verse when I was high school rodeo and back in the day, we would all put, we would decorate our back numbers. Um, and this verse is one that I put on the back of my on my, the back of my back number for whenever I would rodeo. But it's so much more now as an adult that back then I thought it was kind of a cliche. Like, and so I'm going to read it to you. Philippians 4.13, it says, You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Um, or you can put, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, I say that as you because I want it to, I want for it to be spoken to you just like it is in the Bible. Like whenever I read it, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He doesn't say you can do all things through your own strength. And that's why I want to talk about that particular verse is because we do that. We're taught to do that. You, you want to go to a better college, you make better grades. You want to get a scholarship to play football, you practice harder. Instead of being like, okay, Lord, what is it that you have for me? Because I can't do it on my own. You didn't die for me to do it on my own. Lord, I need you. I want you. Not just whenever I'm on my knees in a bad situation. I want you whenever I'm, I'm living my dream out. I want you there also. But we carry so much on our own that was never meant to be ours. So, ask Him how He wants us to do things. Seek Him about those things. Seek Him in your marriage. Seek Him as you're being a parent. Seek Him when you're going to college. Seek Him while you're still in high school. Seek Him when you have a death in the family. Seek Him throughout the unknown circumstances that you don't know are coming ahead. He knows. So when you live a life in alignment with Him, He prepares you for what's ahead. Like, get that if you're not listening to anything else I say. 
He is all-knowing, and He will prepare you in this season for the next season. Look back at your life and be like, you know what? I never understood why I was going through that, but now I see why. Now I see why. And whenever we can recollect those moments, it gives us confidence to know that He has the future in His hands also. So, now let's tie this in to being a disciple. How to be a disciple. You know, when we read over the Great Commission, he tells us, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them. So when I hear, when I hear the thing make, back to the YouTube, like if you're going to make a cake, okay, you know that you're going to have ingredients, you're going to set the oven, you're going to mix it all up, you're going to put it in, and it's going to do its thing. So you have a part to play in that. Same thing with making disciples. You do have a part to play. But today we're going to go over what is your part to play. And more than that, what isn't your part to play. So whenever I was going over the word make and the actual definition of it, y'all know how I am about that. The definition of make is to cause something to come about. So if we are making disciples of all nations, we're not forcing them. And I think that in our walks, that can be a really hard place because once you get on this Jesus kick and once you're doing all the things, what do you want to do? You want to force everybody else around you to get what you now got. But that's not how it works, y'all. You are not going to be able to lead people to Jesus by forcing them, judging them, browbeating them, throwing scripture in their face. Like we've all done it. We've all, if you haven't done it, you wanted to do it. Okay, just be honest with yourself. But that gets nowhere. It didn't get anywhere with me. It didn't get anywhere with me, everybody wanting to force me to do stuff. Like my parents, they drug me to church. And I'm thankful for that looking back. But that still, just because I was in there and you lead a horse to water doesn't mean you can make them drink. I still had to make my own decisions and be in my own sin because God had to show up for me in his own way. And he knows whatever it is it's going to take, what it's going to take for each person to come to him and surrender to him. Things that he does not cause, but he does allow. Um, But I just want to be able to really reiterate the point that you cannot force somebody to know Jesus, to come to Jesus, to surrender to Jesus, to understand Jesus. You can't. But you do have a part to play by leading them there, by causing it to come about. So, those things are the things that are our job. Our job is to live in a, live a way that they see Him in us. What our job is not is to judge. God, Scripture tells us that God is the judge. Okay, we will all have to answer for our own accounts. Okay, he is the judge. You are not. You don't. You don't have that role, which is a good thing. I'm so thankful that I don't. I don't even need to judge myself. I sure don't need to judge anybody else. That's a role that only God has. It's not for me. So let me go ahead and take that off of my list of things to do. Um, your job is not to save anyone. This is the hardest one when it comes to people that we love because we want to stand in the gap for them, okay? We want to enable them. We want to show up for them. When they're down, we want to step in, okay? And there's times where God will call you to do those things, but not if it's on your own accord. Jesus Christ is the only one that can save anybody from going to hell. We're going to read some scriptures on that. But I want for you to understand that if you're the person that always wants to step in and be the Savior, that's not your role, Be thankful that it's not your role. So, the last one is our job is not to convict. Our job isn't to be the voice in somebody's ear saying, you need to stay away from that. You need to quit doing that. You need to, you know, 
you need to, you need to, you need to. We're, we're not that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. We're not God, we're not Jesus, and we're not the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Our job is to make disciples. It's to cause them to be the stir in their life, to be the example in their life, to be the encourager in their life, to be living lives that they can see Jesus in us, but it's not to be those three things. I think that when it comes to all these roles we're trying to fill, all these things we're wanting to do for God, the reason that we want to do that is because some people, they want to feel fulfilled. They want to feel like they're important. They want to take the victory. I've had to, um, I've really had to repent from things because when I see people come to Christ, I want to think that I had a part to play in it. And I'm just being real vulnerable right now. Um, you know, when you do youth ministry and you get to see the transformation in their lives and the sacrifice that I feel like I want to tell myself I've made, which really it's been an honor and a privilege to be able to do that. It's a privilege when you get to be used by God to, to bring them to the, to the altar to get to meet Jesus. That is a privilege. But the thing is, it's not your victory. It's not my victory. All of you that reach out to us, even wanting prayer or receiving salvation, I'm so thankful for that. But that's not a victory of my own. And the devil will want to put pride in you to where you feel like you've really done something. But I'm here to tell you that it's nothing of your own accord. Um, so stay humble in that. But I think that whenever we want to convict people, we want to address sin. We want to say, hey, look, stay away from that. It's leading you astray. Last episode, we talked about that. Correcting other believers and saying, look, I, I love you and I want to hold you accountable. Holding someone accountable and convicting them is not the same thing, okay? Because the minute they feel judged... That's, that's God's job. No, that's not of Him, okay? That's not of us, I mean. So, when we address sin in someone's life, we need to know, are they a believer or not? This is something we went over in in-person Bible study on Monday that I just have not been able to stop thinking about because it's so true. One of my friends was like, you know, we don't have a sin problem. We have a salvation problem. People that are living in sin or doing sinful things and you're wanting to be forceful, you're wanting to say, look, get on the Jesus wagon, but they're not getting it, it's because they don't have him yet. Okay? Once they get him, he takes care of the sin. That's not our job. It's not our job. Our job is to worry about ourselves, our walk with Christ, and the way we are discipling them, bringing them up, causing them to be able to know who Jesus is. But it's not a sin problem. It's a salvation problem. If we would pray for them to know who Jesus is, he's going to take care of their sin. So, I also want to read John 14, 6 real quick. This is a verse that I feel like we take for granted sometimes, kind of like the Philippians 4, 13 verse. So, John 14, 6, it says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, Jesus, that's what he is. He's the middleman. That's why he paid the price for our sin, okay, to reconcile us with the Father. But he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father. So, what do we get from the Father? The Father is what gives us freedom. He gives us guidance. He gives us forgiveness. Freedom from what? Freedom from thinking we got to do it all on our own. Jesus says, look, the Father has this. He has you in his hand. Don't clench yourself. Don't clench yourself to hinder yourself from coming to the Father. Come to me because I'm the way to him. He wants to free us. He wants to free us from shame. He wants to free us from guilt. He wants to free us from thinking we have to do it all on our own. That's a lie from the devil saying, you better be good enough. 
You better handle this. You better be a better mom. You better provide more for your family as a dad. All these things are things that Jesus says, no, through me, you get the Father. The Father is what gives you that. Freedom to do what else? Freedom from our failures. Freedom from being compared to somebody else. That is something that we all struggle with. All the, all the ladders we're trying to climb, it's because we're comparing ourselves to what somebody else is doing. God says, let me free you from that because I created you to be you. I didn't create you to be them. I'm not measuring you according to what they're doing. I'm measuring you for the plan that I have for you. That's what's before you and that's what comes after you, not what somebody else is doing. When you receive Jesus through him, you get the Father and the Father frees you from being compared to anything else that you think you need to be doing. The Father is who forgives us of our sin. He is the judge. He's the one that says, look, that right there, it's covered because of my son and what my son did for you. Who is my son? My son was me in the flesh. Okay? I love the last part that I put that we get from the Father. We get guidance. Y'all, we get so much guidance that the Father gives us through the Holy Spirit. Guidance on what we need to do, what we, we don't need to do, what we need to give into, what we need to give up. There's a lot of you that have a lot of decisions on your plate right now. Decisions that are hard decisions. Decisions that you didn't even think you'd be the one having to make. Seek the Father through Jesus and the Holy Spirit will give you the answers that you need. He has promised us that. You know, things that we're supposed to do in the moment. I think that we also, we want to gauge God on that we don't need Him until we need Him. till we think we need Him. The reason why we need God's guidance is because this life that we're living this season we're called into, until we meet him in eternity, it's not a do-it-yourself. He didn't want it to be that way. And the reason why and what I'm trying to tell y'all is that if you could do it yourself, you would have already done it. If you could have mended your marriage on your own, you would have already done it. If you could have raised your kids to be these perfect children, which they're never going to be because we aren't, you would have already done it on your own. You wouldn't have needed him and he wouldn't have got any credit for anything. We go through so many things in life that we can't do on our own. He's telling you not to try to do it on your own. He's saying, look, come to me. I give you the Father. We're going to read another scripture real quick about what else that he gives us. In John, he tells us that he also gives us the advocate. In John 14, we're just going to roll over to um, verse 16. And I will ask the Father. He, this is in red. So Jesus is saying, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. That's the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it's neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. He's telling them, he's like, look, he knows he's going to go away. But he's like, dude, we're gonna, God's going to give you the advocate and he's going to be in you. Because you believe in him and he is going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. You need to know that this whole do it yourself, be great, self-help, I can do it all by myself. That is not of God. Because he's saying, you need me, you need the Father, you need the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to leave you as an orphan so you don't even have to worry about being on your own. You have us, we are in you, and we are with you. Y'all, that is a promise from heaven that we are so, so lucky to be able to have as believers. It's not a do-it-yourself. So stop waiting and thinking that you can even do it on your own. 
He gives us more. We don't have to be prepared. All we have to do is be willing. So I want to be in that because some of y'all just said, ah, what is she saying? We don't have to be prepared. We know we need to know the word of God. We need to know what it says. And the reason why you need to know what it says is so that you can do what it says. But I want to touch on something that we all get confused, that it's not all head knowledge. Just because you've read this Bible 37 times from front to back does not mean that you have embedded it in your heart. There are people, there are little children. That's why Jesus says, come to me and have faith like a child. A child doesn't know every single word of this book. They're not capable of it and they don't need it. You want to know why? Because they need what's in their heart. When you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the living word of God, right? The Trinity and the word of God are all hand in hand. So it's not all head knowledge, y'all. It's heart knowledge. It's heart knowledge. It's trusting in him. You can know what his word says, but still not trust and believe it. That's why whenever he told the fig tree, you're done. And then he follows that with don't doubt. Don't doubt. You want to know why y'all can't get these mountains to move? It's because you don't have faith of a mustard seed. It's heart knowledge, not always head knowledge. Y'all knowing is easy, but doing is hard. You know, I think about summertime right now and like all of us getting sunburned. You know, like there's a point in your day where you're like, it is hot like Hot Pockets out here. I need some more sunscreen on. But if you don't put the sunscreen on, are you going to be protected from the sun? No. But you know in your mind that you need it. Same thing with this life we're going on living. We know we need God in our circumstances, but we're not implementing him. Either because we're being selfish and we want the control, we want the credit, or because we're just being stubborn and we want the sin. We have to decide what it is that we want. You can't have his peace if you don't access his peace. All the knowledge in the world can't change in heart. To be a disciple, it has to be in your heart, not just in your head. You know, and I think about the things that we know. If we could have head knowledge, we would be able to prevent things. But life isn't aren't things that we can prevent. You know, we got unplanned pregnancies. We've got divorce that hits us that we never thought we would be walking in. We lose jobs that we thought we'd be retiring from. We go to the doctor and receive news that we've got diseases and cancers that we thought we've been living the good life to prevent. I haven't been a smoker. Why do I have this? You know, all life comes with so many things that we never saw coming. But you know who does know that they're coming? And who wants to prepare your heart to be able to get through them and to not have the endurance just to, just to live in it. He wants to give you the perseverance to be able to see it on the other side. That's God. That's Jesus, and that's the Holy Spirit. He wants to use every season to prepare us to the next one and to heal us from the previous one. That's why it's not a do-it-yourself. You're not capable of it. Why does it take all these circumstances that we don't see coming to choose us to surrender? Why isn't the mountaintops that we say, you know what, Lord, I see your glory. Thank you for being here. It's just, it's just the way that we are. I don't know why we are the way that we are, but He knows. He knows that the Israelites constantly rejected him and he had to keep delivering them. And he knew we would be the exact same way. I want to read real quick Philippians 4.9. I'm going to read these next two verses. We're going to read one in James also. But Philippians 4.9 says this, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. This is Paul writing a letter to them and he's saying, Do it. Whatever you've learned, whatever you've heard, for us, whatever we've read through all these scriptures, put it into practice. It doesn't matter what you know if you do not implement it. 
It doesn't matter what you've heard if you have it embedded it in your heart. How do we know it's embedded in our heart? By the way that we live. You can tell by the way a person lives what is in their heart. You can tell. The Bible says you'll know them by the fruits they bear. I think that's why it's such a compliment when people come and ask you a question about Christ or they ask you a verse that got you through something or they, better yet, they ask that you pray for them because they're acknowledging the fruit that is coming out of you. There is no greater honor than that, but you always give credit to the one that's above. James 1.22 says this, Do not merely listen to the word of God and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. This is another instruction. Do what it says. Whenever we put it into practice, we went through that verse. I have that verse highlighted in my Bible, and we've gone on it in an episode before. But I just want to reiterate that that's the do-it-yourself part. The do-it-yourself part isn't having all the answers, isn't trying to do everything on your own. It's doing what the Word of God says. That's the part. That's the only responsibility that we have, is doing whatever He instructs us to do. It's not to forgive. It's not to judge. It's not to convict. It's not to save somebody. It's to just do what the Word of God says. He will do it with us, through us, and us not have to do it alone. Jesus teaches us how to do all the things. We've talked about last week about how he teaches us to be a good friend. He teaches us how to make disciples. He teaches us how to cause others to come to God, just like he did. He was willing to be used. He was willing to be the one healing. He was willing to be the one crying. He was willing to be the one to tell her, look, I know you woman at the well, and my God, he will give you living water. All those things are things that we can do for ourselves too. We can be the one that says, look, this is who God is. This is what he says. I'm just, I'm just causing the creation. I'm just going to be the one to lead you to him. It's not to be able to do God's job for him. I think praying for others is the greatest thing that we can do that we take for granted. We want to solve their problems or figure out what it is we can, how we can, how do you want to use me, Lord? When God's like, I don't want to use you right now. I just want you to pray for them. You know, don't try to be so in control. And I say this because this was spoken to me first. This is all, if this is for nobody listening, I guarantee you it's for me. Because I think that I'm like, okay, I want to this, I want to that. I want to chase the things. I want to make the businesses and, and, and make the money and be the mom and be the wife and do things for my friends and all the things when God's like, hold on, let me be the one to orchestrate this and you walk in it. Don't try doing it on your own. You want to know why you're tired? It's because you're trying to do it without me. And whenever I separate myself and I get ahead of him or I fall behind him, that's whenever we're not satisfied. But when we're in alignment with him, walking with him, him doing things through us, you know, the whole phrase of like, we're going to do it for God. God's like, I don't want you to do it for me. I want you to do it with me. I want to be the one that is right there beside you. I'm going to read the last verse today is Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1.6 To the praise of God, His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him, we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. When Paul's writing this to this church, he's telling them what the goal, what the will of Christ is. And it's to bring unity. It's to bring peace. Same thing with us in our lives. God's will for you is to be unified with him, to be in peace with everybody else on earth. It says right there, 
on earth under Christ in all things. Implement him in your life. Implement him in your circumstances. Choose that the way that you can go and do it on your own and to make disciples is to let him be the one to do it. Let him draw the people in your life that he's wanting to use you to be able to help. Stop trying to walk in people's lives and do things for them and reach who you think he wants you to reach. Instead, be like, you know what, Lord, I trust you and you're going to bring them to me and you're going to bring me to the ones that need to help lead me and disciple me. I don't want to do it on my own anymore, Lord. You know, I think of ways that I've been discipled. Um, I think that that's a reflection that I wanted to say instead of saying, look, this is how you do it. I just wanted to say, look, this is how I've been able to receive it. And it's simple things, y'all. Ways to disciple and ways I've been discipled have been this. To text somebody. If they're on your mind randomly in the morning, you don't know how many times I've been like started off a bad morning and somebody randomly texts me like, hey, I just want you to know I've been thinking about you. You're on my heart this morning. And how encouraging that was. And I'm like, man, they didn't even know what was going on with me. But they listened to God. And when the Holy Spirit put my name on their heart, they chose to be obedient and to lift me up. It's that simple of a thing. Checking on people. Send them a random gift. You know, you have no idea what something so small can do for somebody. I'm talking like little bitty gift card to God's chicken at Chick-fil-A. Or to give them a devotional because they've never truly accessed the Word of God on a daily basis. It can be the most simple, simple things to disciple somebody. Doing something for them. If you know somebody's about to move, go help them pack. If you know somebody's been out of town... See if there's something you can do for them around the house. You know, it's the little bitty things that you can love on somebody. Pray with them. Pray over them, not just for them. I think that's been a goal of mine so much recently is to not to just when somebody's on my heart to lift them up, but whenever I see them, be like, hey, like, I just want to pray with you. And they might look at you crazy, but it might make the rest of their life. And they will not forget that when God comes to be faithful to them, they're going to recognize that you're the one that was with them that called on the Father. Invite them. Invite them to eat a meal. Invite them to lunch. Invite them to church. Invite them to Bible study. I think that we look around about like, you know, oh man, I wish they were here. Well, did you ask them to come? Because that might be why they're not in the seat next to you is because they never got invited. They never thought they were welcome. They thought that it was something they couldn't go to. You know, it's not an exclusion type church that we're called to be in. It's an inclusive type church we're called to be in. Jesus sat at those seats. He didn't just go to the temple. Be around them so that they see Jesus in you. I think that whenever coming back to the forcing people to become believers idea, we think that we need to remove ourselves from everybody. And sometimes you do for a season so that you can get right. But also if they never see the new you, they never see Jesus in you, Jesus can't lead them to him through you. We shouldn't just always throw up this big wall to be like, okay, well, they're going to figure it out on their own. Encourage them to be devoted to Jesus. I think this sometimes is the hardest part in all of our walks is it's the little details in our life that we stop doing to show our devotion to Christ, to encourage them to be devoted also. It's changing the music we listen to. It's changing the TV shows we watch. It's being like, you know what? I saw that whole first season on Netflix, but when I started listening to season two, it kind of ruffled up something in my spirit. It's the little things that we do that we obey in that can still reach somebody else that we would never even think, y'all. I remember hearing my friends talk about things they were being convicted of, and I wasn't feeling convicted. 
And I'm like, well, I don't know why y'all quit doing that. Like, I feel, I go to sleep just fine with doing that. But the fact that they were outspoken about their obedience, it made me at least evaluate myself to be like, you know what, Lord, what's up with why am I not feeling convicted like they are? I'm not comparing myself to them. But if something's rising up in their spirit to not want to do this anymore, why do I feel like I need to? Lord, help me to be closer to you to where I know what is of you and what you want me to do. And I don't want to reject what you're trying to call me to do differently anymore. Um, we talked also on Monday, and this is something I've never said on the podcast, and I wanted to do it um, because I realized there's so many that um, might could be see Jesus in a different light like I did whenever I watched it. And it's this, um, it's called The Chosen. If you've heard of it and you've watched it, You've probably loved it. I've never met anyone that hasn't. Maybe you're someone who have watched it and you want to spit out that it's not scriptural. And so um, what I want to say about that is any movie, any song, any Bible study, any commentary in your Bible, if it's not scripture, then it's not scripture. Okay? That's as blunt as it gets. But if you're the person that's like, oh, I'm not going to be encouraged or whatever because it's not straight out of the Bible... Listen to me with this. The people that created The Chosen or create movies or make devotions, it's not Scripture either. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to lead you to Scripture. They're trying to incorporate Scripture. That's the building of the body. I know for me, whenever I watched The Chosen, it made me go dig in my Bible because I thought things were so interesting. I was like, well, I want to see and hear where it happened. That's the point of that. Like, let's stop letting the devil even distort what God's trying to use. Like, let's, let's quit that. But whenever I watched The Chosen, it made me see Jesus as a person so differently. In this show, Jesus is laughing. He's, he's with kids. He's with his buddies. Y'all, that's how he was. And so when I look back on the discipleship Bible study laid on my heart of being discipled, not just being a Christian, it's because as a Christian, we don't make it personal. As a disciple, it becomes personal. Your relationship with Christ has to be personal. That's where the heart knowledge comes in, not just the head knowledge. So I just wanted to say, if you haven't heard of that and you're looking for something to watch, you know, that is, it it did a lot for me, but it did encourage me. So I just wanted to let you guys know. Um, To end this podcast, I just want to go ahead and, and start with our three questions. Have you been one that's trying to do it all on your own? Have you been like me? And you're like, you know what? I'm doing good all by myself. My life might be falling apart and my business or my marriage or my kids, everything around me might be in shambles, but I got it, Lord. I know where you're at whenever I need you. I just want to ask you, if you're that person today, just go ahead and surrender. Just go ahead and ask him. If it's not in shambles, but you're in the, you're in the waiting, you're in the curiosity stage, go ahead and start seeking God before you have to make decisions on your own. Say, Lord, I don't even want to make any first decision without you. I want to know your hand is in this or it's not. Go ahead and ask him what his will is and do it his way. Do it now. The second question is, what area of your life do you need to turn over to God and stop doing on your own? I think the answer to this one needs to be at all. But just to make it specific so that you know exactly what he's speaking to you about right now as you're listening. What area do you need to turn over to him completely? Let's reword that to just completely. Is it the way you're parenting your kids? Do you need to stop letting God do some and then you do some on your own? Maybe it's your relationship with your husband. Maybe it's, maybe it's a friendship that needs to be mended. Or a friendship you need to walk away from. 
ask him, Lord, what area is this that I need to say, look, you've got full reign now. I'm not going to pick this back up. I want you to have your way. I want it to be according to your will. The last question is going to be this. What holds you back from giving it all up? I think that once we identify what we need to turn over and we say we're going to turn it over in order to keep it there and in his hands and not take it back in our own, we need to acknowledge what it is that's holding us back from doing it in the first place. For me, it's been worry and not trust. I wanted to give it up to him, but I still had a lot of doubt that he wasn't going to handle it. And it's not that I thought he wasn't going to handle it. It's that I didn't think he was going to handle it how I wanted him to. Y'all, we hinder God so much by saying like, I know it's in your hands, but this isn't how I wanted it to end up. I didn't want for you to remove that person from my life. I didn't want to leave this job that I find security in. I didn't want to do these things. But what he's saying is, I know the future, Shelly. I know the reason why I'm doing this right now. You don't. Stay surrendered and let me keep doing it. Because once again, y'all, just like our salvation, he cannot force it. He, he knows he can't be in control unless we give him the wheel. So I just want you to ask yourself what it is that you're not letting go of. Maybe it's the head knowledge instead of the heart knowledge part that we talked about. Maybe you think in your mind you know what God's will is, but you haven't surrendered your heart to what it actually is. I just pray over you this week. I pray that this episode did something for you like it did for me. I'm super excited for, we got episode 7 and episode 8 left and this It's Bigger Than You Bible Study. I want you to know that your purpose in Christ is bigger than yourself. It is in the hands of the all-knowing, the almighty, and he loves you way more than anybody or anything ever could. And I just ask that you share this episode, that you dive into these scriptures, that you access the worksheet, that you message me and just um, let me know how it encouraged you or ask me any questions that you have and just choose today and the rest of the week to go spread Jesus. Have a good day. Thank you so much for listening. And I encourage you that you can have a relationship with the one that created you. So spread Jesus.